Hello, Mothers of Mayhem. This is Dawn from Dancy Publishing, and I just wanted to say how much I love your podcast, how much I love you both, and yeah, you both rock. Your podcast rocks. I love the whole thing. I love everything you're doing. Everything is wonderful. So, I just wanted to say how much I love you, how much DNT loves you, and well, I mean, I love you, so that's the most important part. So, there's that. Okay, bye. I am the book. You are the fire, and I burn like a book. Don't know how this one ends till I die. And the honest part of reliable is the lie. The greater the power, the more the abuse. You are the hand, I worship the bruise. If romance is dead, I guess I'm a necrophiliac. But every god needs a sacrifice. I am the cross, and you are the Christ. So I drink. Nobody comes for the authors. Nobody gives a shit about the authors. Oh, beep, beep, kids. Oh! <laughs> Everyone, everyone gives a shit. Poop on you, Christina. Poop on you. (laughs) Spit in my mouth and call me. Spit in my mouth and call me a creamy twat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wow. All right, we got a backtrack here. (laughs) We're on it. We're on it. Watch the bloopers. Jay Wilbur, Wilbur in our live was like, my favorite part is when Marion laughs so hard, her microphone cuts out. I'm like, you just got one in less than 20 seconds. Of episode right. Seven. We're in. We're in. We're ready. This is episode two, season two. We're in it to win I'm, it. Emerging shit. She is. Um, talking about vaginal discharge, not mine or hers. We're no. just, we were having a conversation. No, that's on. That'll probably be on some blog post. It's not about either of us. We swear. Hey, who's on today? Who's oh, on today? Oh my God! Who, it is the return of it is the return of our boy, our child, our son. Yeah, I'm like I'm not that old. It's, I'm like from Southern Illinois, but I'm not that Southern Illinois. You know what I mean? I'm 42. I can be this kid's mother. I'm 40 now. Gonna be 41. Well. I I I I I could be. It's Chandler Morrison. It is. It is so exciting. <laughs> so exciting. And I These only are... had like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I kept waking up in panic attacks. Like that's mm-hmm. how I was waking myself up, and I was like, "Oh, here comes another one." And then I just talked myself out of it and went back to sleep. And then I maybe three hours of sleep, but a lot of coffee. So I'm on it today. Here's how my brain prepared for this. Last night, I had a dream that the roof and the exterior wall of my kitchen fell off. And oh. my house was exposed. Oh. Dream it. And now so, out there, have a, have a field day. So maybe it's talking about your creamy, I don't know, like because it's going to be exposed with the kid? Look, how dare uh-huh. you? I don't know. How dare you? We're talking about vaginas <laughs> today, people. We're moving on to like... he's gonna gonna watch this and be like what the fuck do i get myself into i told he was excited he was excited to come back he wanted to come back i know he like basically invited himself which is totally fine like if you're chandler morrison you can like you tell us when you want to come on 
everyone else, we're going to schedule you. But Chandler Morrison, no, 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 no. You go, when? We'll go, when would you like to come back? When? Now, there's a reason for that, too. Not, I mean, he's our fancy pants man. Mm. But at the same time, like, he he will actually engage in nerdy literature discourse with us. Yes. Which is kind of fun because it lets us stretch our brains beyond just me and you. It also lets us showcase like we're not just extreme horror. Like we do know a little bit more about other stuff too. Me, not so much. I mean, you know, ask me how Percy Shelley died and I could tell you all day long. Tell me how many wives Ted Hughes lost. I can tell you that. But like, I'm not... It's because Ted Hughes was a fucking asshole. Well, I always think that his like dick was small. Like that's why Sylvia Plath offed herself and the next wife offed herself in the exact same oven. That was probably just one factor in the huge Ted Hughes asshole conglomeration that was probably, Ted Hughes. They were probably like <laughs> they were probably like when they met him, he they were like, Oh, he's got big dick energy. And then Ooh, when they he's met so him, handsome. Like, no, no. He was Ted very Hughes. He was very Ken, and his should be a red flag right there. Know, if you're a right? ten out of ten, if you're a ten out of ten, red flag. You, you know are else? going to ruin my life. Yeah, you know who else was very much a Ken? Paul Bernardo. <laughs> there were some that were like, like uh, Hemingway was pretty hot, you know. Yeah, that, in his you know, scruffy sea captain-y you. way. Yeah. Like, I'm going to beat like, you. In his, like, depressed, nihilistic, the world is awful. I might as like, well just end you it can, all. I can save I'm going to be drunk all the time kind yeah. of way. Yeah. Yeah. This went off the rails, everyone. This went off the rails. This went off the rails since I told Marion I don't like the T word. And that was before we even started. It was. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to try to give any bullshit bio info on Chandler Morrison. Mm -hmm. This is his second time here. And y'all know who this means is. I mean, he wrote Dead Inside. You all know that. (laughs) Everybody knows that. If you don't, then you're living under a rock. Yeah, who the fuck are you? We can't help you. We can't help you. Along the path of torment, just to see how human shaped ferns. Hate to feel others. Oh, hate to feel. And he's been in a lot of anthologies. Yeah, he's pretty prolific for a child. (laughs) (laughs) For the bedtime of nine o'clock. We're just teasing. He's not really a child. He's like a grown ass man. That wears designer sunglasses and smokes cigarettes. He's like too close to first goal. That's the problem. He's like the cool kid, and we're like the two nerds that have the books and our nerd glasses and the fucking trombone. You know, (laughs) that's us. This one time band camp. (laughs) Right. I feel very much like that mother. I feel very much like the mom, and he's like, "Mom, don't make eye contact." You're embarrassing me. <laughs> right. Don't don't tell me you love me when I'm getting out of the car for school. Don't talk yes. to me. Oh my god, mom. <laughs> that is who I am. <laughs> That's us. That's us. We're the embarrassing ones, but we're reliable. 
every time she tweets something about him on Twitter, he's like, oh my God, mom. He's probably like, please, <laughs> I love please you, stop. Oh my God, mom. <laughs> and then I always find like some grammar error and I'm like, just fuck it. Son, son, look, if you're going to write a book, <laughs> do it right. Right. <laughs> Don't embarrass your mother. Don't embarrass your mother's God. Spend a lot of time on you. <laughs> Put so much energy into so you. So much. All we, want, all we want With is this the best for you. Like, wait. I'm weeping right now. <laughs> He's gonna watch the beginning of this and be like, I'm going to delete all of them he's like not, we're gonna be blocked on every social media it's gonna be amazing he's not gonna watch this no. <laughs> no no i think he knows better well this time since we talked a lot about his other stuff last time uh christina wanted to focus more on his short story collections that he has but what we're really gonna focus on today is his newest book thigh gap which is yes. cemetery gates right Yes, and we're going to talk to him about that because there's a little bit of a, a story there, too, that I think is interesting to share. He it, so graciously blessed Christina and I with the chance to read hashtag thigh gap all the way back in March before it had been picked up by a publisher. At that point, he wasn't even sure anyone would feel comfortable rolling with this book. Um, he thought he might have to self-publish and he was like, can you guys read this for me just so I know whether or not it's even worth it to do that if that's a thing I have to do. And we were like, what? Uh, okay. I'm sorry. You're sending me your grocery list because I'm going to read it. What? Well, a huge- then, then we blurb it. Can we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, then he let second? us blurb it, which was also very gracious of him. <laughs> God bless him on his dark black little little fancy goth heart um but huge huge shout out to sadie hartman also known as mother horror on instagram um she picked it up and she's running with it and it's heavy and it's emotional but it's also in my opinion it's very important because it's just another one of those books that I can put in there with Eric LaRocca and mm. Maddie Bob Cash, who are taking mental health and they are uh, presenting it in its very real state and not yeah. using it as the horror trope that has traditionally been. They're showing yeah. the horror that exists in the reality of various it's very, mental health challenges. and uh, It's very unapologetic. It is. And yet it's very true mm-hmm. to Chandler Morrison. So you're still going to read it. You're still going to be like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's extremely, I don't want to make like a pun because, you know, it's about it's eating disorders, but it is heavy. Um, so we really want to trigger warning this entire episode. Yes. Um, if you're not in a safe place, Please don't watch this episode. We will yeah, see you in the next no. one. This is, we could, this could be really, this could be extremely triggering. And I'm like the last one to do trigger warnings because I just don't really believe in them. But this one, even obviously I'm not, I do not have like a thin person eating disorder, but even as a fat chick, it was very hard 
hard for me to read certain parts. Mm-hmm. It wasn't triggering in any way for me, but it was very, like I had to take a step back a couple times and be like process what I was reading. Yes. And I think that that's kind of the genius of it is that it is kind of going to affect everyone. It doesn't matter if you're like, fat or you know it's going to affect you and if it doesn't then I I mean I'm like one of the most heartless cunt canoes on the planet and it affected me yes also if you struggle with uh Mm self-injury um and that is something that is difficult for you right now even though this book does not have um any acute self-injurious imagery we do have to remember that eds are a part of that process and are considered a part of that process so you know overall the discussion may be something that could be a little hard for you so check out at any time or check out right now and come back to us also we want to say um this is a book that you need to consider hard before picking up we want you to read it and we want you to love it. We want you to experience it, but we want you to protect your psyche because it might not be the time for you and it'll yep. be there when you're ready. Yep. And I, I this mean, one's going to be can, hard. There are certain books um, <clears throat> like Daniel Volpe's Left to You that <clears throat> I am not mentally in the right place to read something like that. So I have put it off. And so there's like no shame in waiting. Cynthia Paleo is into the woods and all the way through. I remember yeah, I watch told it. you about that. I one can't read you it. Were like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It hits my buttons. That's, that's like, my line. That's where I have to you know, try it. That kidnapping and people spitting in other people's mouths. Oh, you know, don't like do it. Creamy swats. <laughs> 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 I can't. I can't. Before I can't. we get fancy boy in here, do you do you want to talk about some other books you want to shout out this week? Oh my god, why do you do this to me? Like completely off the rails. Um, I have been reading Ash Eric Moore because it's hashtag Ash August. Um, just finished Big Ben and um, Psycho. I heard Perfection. Big Ben is amazing. Hilarious. Yes. Hilarious give you a hint on what the big Ben name is you know what I mean yeah um, and then I heard it involves cats and tape it does it <laughs> involves cats. yes it was very funny um and there's like a ton of like clown puns in it which just oh, you know tickles my fancy and then I read Night Night Sandman by Mr. Montague White <gasps> as did I so so good I figured it out about halfway through and I was like, ding, ding, ding. Um, I always handwrite my notes out and like screenshot them for him and send them to him so he can see like my thought process as I read. And so he got to see in like real time in my notes. That's click. cool. <laughs> yeah. That's um, rad. Yeah. So he's, he's one of very few that I do that for. Um, and then... Um, Pandemonium by Ryan Harding and Lucas Mangum. I'm not going to talk too much about it because the next time you see this face, you'll see Mr. Ryan Harding. Oh, so I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I will tell you if you have not read it, you are so fucking missing out. That book alone 
171 tabs. Wow. Just one book. So only mildly excessive. Only my only a little bit. Well, before we see what about we, you? Before we see Christina again, yes. I will be talking with Paula Ash with a very special guest host. But next week, oh. I am prepping. Yes, to spend this is exciting. Time with Captain Crippy, Dustin Whalen, aka my Dusty Buttons, and Mr. Brian Keene. So yes. this week, it is my goal to get through Kill Whitey with teeth. And his short story collection, his short fiction, Blood on the Page. Because so exciting time. I'm very excited. I'm so stoked. So that will be episode number three. If you want to read these with me, grab them. Try to slam through them this week. Get prepped for what's coming. Well, you got to think this comes out in like a month and a half. So I they know, but they're not going to hear it until then. So they still only have a week until they hear it. Well, aren't we doing every two weeks? Talking I don't remember. Who knows? I'll figure it out. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. We're just uh, here. It's like every two weeks or something. I don't know. <laughs> Stolen Seed by Tim Eagle. Yep. Uh, Tim has never let me down and this is a great, uh, it's basically like a trailer park Greek tragedy. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Andrew Post's Chop Shop. I got that one too. Is it good? <laughs> it is about black market body part dealers. <laughs> <laughs> and if that ain't enough to sell you on this bad boy, it's good. Yeah, totally go with this one. I got it with uh, that sale that they had. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he sent this one to me. Thank you, Andrew. But it is definitely, if you are, if you are intrigued by the inner drama within the um the black market body part trade community <laughs> shop shop will be right up your alley. And I really want to shout out. Is that not amazing? Oh, that was so Fallen University, which is okay. So this is from Matt Henshaw, uh, edited by as well our dear John Boltisberger. This is basically the course catalog for Nafallen University. Show the inside of which it. Which is a it's like an actual cast yeah, course catalog. It's, it's like a course catalog. Here's humanities for a university that focuses on eldritch and chaos magic. So it's like the antithesis of Hogwarts. And the humor and the ingenuity and clever imagination in this book and just the whole the whole package like the whole here. Th- yeah. The novelty like the way that it's set up. It, yeah. And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, oh my God. Where's prognostics? I love this. The, the <laughs> prognostics, their course description is we know who you are. We know you're going to join our student body and that you will take up studies in our program. We know how it will end. We will not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I just 
love this whole thing. And then there's all these descriptions of the different mm-hmm. courses or what you'll learn if you take. The, oh, my God. Nafallen University. N-A-F-A-L-L-E-N. Henshaw and Baltusberger. You must. <laughs> there's a lot like a lot of authors actually like put in on that, like uh, Ben Azret. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So all of the ones, all the like instructors in the back, I think actually put in on it. I think so Matt, please. Oh yeah. Please correct me if I'm in wrong. Matt Henshaw, John Baltusberger, Hazel Raguerre, Stephen Brandt, Tom Ackerman, R. Wayne Gray, Lorraine Shine. So many, so Mm -hmm. many. Joshua Bartolome. A lot of people put in for this one. It was very much a group activity and it is, yeah, there's Ben, Ben Arzate, adjunct professor. And the great thing is that they're, the faculty listing of all the people who contributed is just as hilarious and clever <laughs> as the rest of the book. So yeah, you've got to, you guys got to get that. If you like the whole Eldritch chaos magic thing, you will freaking love that. And then they have the almanacs too. Mm-hmm. which are even better <laughs> so, right? <laughs> so good so good all right boo boo done enough jabbering Chit-chatting. our boy's gonna be here soon yeah shall we prepare ourselves yeah I tried to burp, but it didn't come out <laughs> it's enough. okay I'm it's alright I'll probably you know if I don't pass out at all of you all right, here we go. We'll be back when Chandler shows up. Bye. Welcome back, Chandler Morrison. Thank you. It's great to be back. We missed you. It feels like it's been a while. Tell us about the sunglasses. Who are you wearing? <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you asked. These are Celine, one of my uh, uh, favorite brands. What year and style? Um, these are, they're 2021. Uh, I don't know the exact model. (gasps) Well, now I can't look up the sticker price and I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) I, I started looking because I was curious and I was like, I wonder how much these kind of sunglasses go for, you know? Cause like my glasses I got for like $2 and 50 cents. Like I'm cheap. They're not cheap. Like, no, none of the uh, no none of the sunglasses and, and hashtag fly gap are. Although there's there's the the Lyft driver who's wearing the ones we got off the gas station. Rack, so. I think it's important for you to know, Chandler, that my six year old son shoplifts sunglasses from the dollar store. Um. <laughs> He's like, what do I say to that? <laughs> That's real. <laughs> I mean, he's just it's... getting started. He's got the sunglasses affinity. He sees a pair and he's like, it's mine. I don't got no dollar, but I'm leaving here with these glasses. <laughs> as, you know, as, in, a, in a way that's kind of admirable. <laughs> Are you ready for some heavy questions? I am. Uh, I am ready. <gasps> right. Gotta focus. 
<laughs> pull down, get stable. We got some Christina. Christina, go ahead. Well, we want a trigger warning in case you guys passed up the banter part of us. Um, we will be talking about hashtag thigh gap and it is extremely heavy. And while we will try to be spoiler free, I run my mouth a lot. So God only knows. Um, but yeah, be really, if you're not in a good place mentally, be really careful with this episode. Go back and listen to the banter, you jerks. <laughs> Dick <dead. laughs> I was like, my my cunt canoe was on point today. Let me tell you what. Lop tarts. Right? I was, I was perfect today. Lop tarts. I've not heard that before. I like that. Yes, right? we got that one from Danica Meyerson. Also, our friend Jason Nikki, who is a biblio beard on TikTok, a very good book reviewer, wanted you to know that he got uh John Wayne <laughs> Kavanaugh designed human shaped fiends for him this past weekend. <laughs> it was very he was very specific about it spelling you. It was very important. So now you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you want to start with do you want to start with Thigh Gap and just like roll into the short story later? Let's do the splatter punk thing first. Mm-hmm. We have we have we have no system here to we know. welcome We're home. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back. He's like, oh my God. Go ahead, Christina. Hit him with your short story question. Okay. So Last time we focused more on your novels. This time we're going to kind of focus on Thigh Gap and the short stories. And one of the common themes that I noticed is loneliness is so big as a theme throughout so many different ones. Like reptile affected me on such a level. There's so many lines in that one. Your pillows reek of the salt excreted from the sweat and tears painfully unwept. That's, uh... Yes. Yes. (laughs) Chick. I know, like, right, right in the heart. And then this one, this one affected me the most. Because the better something is, the more awful it's going to be when it's over. And that's all you can focus on. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> it was emotional damage for me with that one. Because, emotional damage. Right? <laughs> so my question after you know, I read pretty much the whole story is, is it an intentional theme throughout or is it just what comes out? Um, I would say intentional. Like Hashtag thigh gap is... I mean, that's the the main theme, I think, is loneliness. Uh, so, like, you can see it. And if you get Reptile, I wrote, uh, I don't even remember, but it was years ago. And uh, the I think, I think a lot of the stories in Just to See Hell focus on loneliness. And oh, it's, it's really, yeah. I mean, and even, like, uh, like I think you can see it and my early novels too i think dead inside like i always tell people like it's not really about necrophilia right it's, uh, 
about uh, this, I think. I think loneliness is a big factor there, and and the the main character in that is terrified of connection, but like kind of yearning for it in a really uh, visceral way. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I suppose uh, I'm uh, preoccupied with and explore a lot. I think it's a universal thing i think a lot of people experience it and um to varying to varying degrees so so oh, yeah it's it. definitely it's definitely intentional i always talk about all the time uh i have to do some training things where i have to talk about like empathy and the difference between like emotional empathy and cognitive empathy. And one of the things that I always really try to get to get people to focus on is the fact that, you know, can you ever really understand another human being? Can you ever really understand someone? Because will you ever actually know who they really mm-hmm. are? Because we never let anyone know who we really are inside we have a person that we project to the other people in our world which is why i think we end up feeling so lonely as a species because we feel like we have to be something just to survive so mm-hmm. yes. yeah i think it's getting worse i think social Ooh, media yeah. makes it oh. makes it much i think it exacerbates it and that's that's another big theme and hashtag high gap is the the idea of presenting a certain image that isn't necessarily aligned with what's going on at an interior level and 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 like i just i think everybody's kind of presenting this sort of to varying degrees facade and absolutely and it makes uh like true genuine connection i think a lot more difficult than i suppose it was prior to the social media oh absolutely absolutely with hashtag thigh gap you and i had some significant like back and forth convo all the way back in march when you so graciously shared it with us so you know it sent my mental health professional brain like spiraling also because you and christina and i are like literature obsessed nerds (laughs) my train of thought was like all over the place trying to nail down the literary influences and the nods that are in here i told you when i run that i feel hashtag thigh gap personally your best one yet your Mm -hmm. best one without a date there's so many levels here, so many places to go, so many places that you take us. Given the high caliber quality of the book, can you speak to the listeners here a little bit about why you felt unsure about whether or not you would have to self-publish this one? Because I, all the way back in March, you were like, I might have to put this one out on my own. <laughs> You want to speak a little bit to that as to why that was a concern? Yeah, it was, you know, the uh, the publisher and the publisher has been really great. Um, Sadie's been been really great. And she 
uh, Stacey Hartman, who runs the, um, the the line of novellas that it's it's Eshek Thagab is a part of, uh, and she is you know a big fan of my work, and uh, she really liked the book, but she did have some concerns um, initially about the content, um, and uh, and I, th I think. Uh, like, like totally understandable um, because it's very uh, there is I think a this thing that we see in in the culture currently where the uh, the, the body positivity movement has done a lot of really good things and but I think it's it's skewed kind of in one direction, and and it's while uh, fat shaming is is not okay um, in the way that it I think once was was much more acceptable socially. Mm -hmm. Skinny shaming still is to a really big degree, and you see, uh, I, I think you see a lot of that in the in the culture and the um and so helen the, the main character and is is very fat phobic uh because i mean she's anorexic and they're what is anorexia but you know really uh extreme version of fat phobia and, yeah. uh and i and and she's she's not really kind of a, a pleasant character and has a lot of very judgment mental thoughts and um is very classist and um and just rather cruel and so there you know there was some i think some concern about how it was going to be received by by the public because it's it's not it's still it's it's very much kind of a taboo thing um, and so I wasn't sure, you know, when I turned it in, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if it was, uh, if the publisher was going to be, um, okay with, with all of that. So I was, so, so, you know, like while I was waiting, I thought, you know, if, if they don't, um, because Sadie, uh, figured if Sadie's not going to publish this, I don't think anybody will. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was, that was kind of my backup plan was that, you know, because I, I really wanted, I do agree. I think it's, it's my best work to date and, and, um, and I wanted it to, to get out there, but I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sure that it would, it would make it uh, through. Um, so, so that was definitely my, my plan if, um, if they decided to pass on it and I would have, you know, if they had decided to do that, I would them for it it's very um uh like i said it's a very taboo subject and and the initial reception to it has been really uh like overwhelmingly positive which has been really cool to see um at some point i'm certain like somebody's somebody's going to read it and say that i shouldn't be writing about this type of thing and i or i shouldn't be writing it about in, in the capacity that i do in the way that i do 
It'll happen. Yeah, It'll yeah, happen. It's whatever. expected. You know it's coming. Yeah, I do. And, and you just kind of prepare yourself for it. I, I, you know, outrage, cancel culture, very chic right now, for lack of better terminology. But forgive me, I'm about to say a lot of words. <laughs> I did not see glorification of EDs in this story. My experience with this book was quite the opposite. Um, I actually appreciate that Helen is a rather prickly character who is difficult to feel emotional empathy for because she forces you to use your cognitive empathy. You have to look at her situation from an analytical point of view and be like, based on what I know about this human being, can I understand why I'm seeing the behaviors I'm seeing here? And it really does kind of highlight some of the bigger factors when it comes to uh, disordered behaviors that are fueled by a need for control. And they come across in forms of Mm self-destruction. I've worked with people who deal with these disorders for like 15 years now. And I personally think you did an outstanding job of highlighting the reality of a very, very difficult set of disorders and how painful and just horrific these self-injurious processes can be. There's nothing sexy about it here. There's nothing admirable about her journey towards her self-actualization. But, you know, it just shows how searching for that sense of control and safety can present itself in a way that looks very unsafe and destructive. Are there people who are going to idolize her? Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. that your problem? No. Are there people who are going to be offended? 100%. Is that your problem? No. The book is important. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I completely agree with that. It's a story that needs to be told. Well, thank oh, you. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad that that came through and that was ultimately, you know, like Sadie's, uh verdict as well because like like i said there were initial when i when i told her what it was about and how i was going about it she's like i I don't know but she read it and 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 that was her take was that you know this is an important story that 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 needs uh to be be read by people and i'm um very grateful to for for giving it that platform um because I mean, I've not self-published since uh, Ace of Real was the last one. I desire to do it again. It feels like forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm really glad that, you know, that was, that like, after she read it, that was her, um, uh, her verdict and that um, Cemetery Gates has been really great to, to work with and they've um, really elevated it in a way that uh, that I, I just have a lot of gratitude for. So I already asked you this uh, on a one-on-one level when we were kind of going back and forth, but I think that readers and the listeners here would also be really interested in knowing this as well. So eating disorders and other personality disorders that cause self-injurious behaviors are very complicated processes. They have... Uh, they're often deeply rooted in significant historical trauma of varying degrees and types. 
can you talk about research or prep work you did for hashtag thigh gap? Because as somebody who personally may not have experienced these things yourself, you actually, Helen's behavior is a practically textbook here and psychologically and emotionally. Thank you for this. You were able to apply a deeper level of insight here that will feel quite personal to folks who have been on a similar journey themselves. How did you go about doing that? Because that is not easy. And sometimes people will just automatically assume, oh, well, it just must be personal experience. No, Mm -hmm. how did you research this? How did you go to this place? Um, That's a great question. And I, you know, all of my books, are heavily, heavily influenced by personal experience, but there is often a, you know, varying degrees of obfuscation and, um, and there are a lot of layers that I kind of pass my experience through before it gets to age and it ends up looking quite different, but the emotional truth of it, uh, is something that I, um, I, like with every book, I'm, I'm typically trying to figure something out. It's I mean, it's, it's kind of like an exorcism, There's something personal that I am trying to work through, um, and uh, and that's where I I draw from most in terms of how I convey the mood and the emotions uh, that I'm putting on the page. But that said, I I did want to, you know, see what, um, like, like I, I wanted to make it kind of as universal of a, an experience as possible too. Well, well it's, it's very, in, in a lot of ways, very personal. Um, there's also, um, you know, like we, we talked, we had talked about one-on-one uh, I did spend a lot of time on eating disorder Twitter and reading mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the the tweets there and um, and and just kind of trying to um, see what that that look because it's it's a very specific kind of <laughs> place. I mean, if it's familiar with eating disorder there's it's not an easy place to go is it it's, it's... no and i don't want to sound judgmental exactly because i'm not and i don't want to like like i and i think that's the problem is i think that um particularly in today's culture it's so easy to look at uh a, a you know a sphere like eating disorder twitter and kind of uh look down your nose at it as this really just twisted horrible like thing like when I think it's much more complex oh my gosh yes and you know I really appreciate how clinically accurate you are regarding Helen's responses to triggering events when we allow Mm -hmm. ourselves to explore a world like eating disorder, Twitter, or the ED boards on Reddit, you find a lot of um, self-focused aggression 
aggression towards themselves, but then aggression towards the pieces of themselves that they see in others as well. And we identify reactive agitation and aggression in other humans when we take note of the intensity of that emotional response and the, and the appropriateness of it compared to what the perceived trigger is, like, is this emotional response, does it feel overreactive compared to the trigger that seems to have caused it? Yes, that's a trauma response, my dudes. So when you're seeing these very jagged, challenging behaviors in these people, what you're not seeing is pain in the ass behavior. You're seeing a pain-based behavior and that can be heartbreaking. (laughs) And while you initially want to get angry, like, how dare you think these things? How dare you say these things? That's only happening because of where they're coming from on a personal level. And Helen displays that beautifully and in a way that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to on that personal level. So it's just another reason that I think the book really came together so beautifully. And even though we'll probably face controversy, you may have set the bar a little too high for yourself this time, friend. (laughs) (laughs) It's very kind. And I, you know, I'm I'm glad that all you know like comes through because I do think that I mean and that was important to me and that she she is she is very fat phobic and she is very classist and uh, that's what she hates about herself. But that's, mm-hmm. these are it's, it is all fear based behavior where she is um, she's terrified of of gaining weight she is terrified of uh, being poor. Um, and living. so, yeah, so this, like, it, it's, she's, and, and really it's, it's all like, cause she's constantly talking about wanting to be elevated above the human experience. And mm-hmm. so her, uh, her reactions to, to really any kind of human behavior are tend to be very judgmental and cool. So, so while she is prickly, like you said, and, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, unpleasant like it's um like when i when i look at a character like helen like i don't see her as as this awful horrible person i just she's just very sad and lonely yeah well it's fascinating because she's so desperately like she sees that peak of Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. and she has this vision of self-actualization. She's going to do everything she can to reach the peak. And yet the way she chooses to face that journey is completely paradoxical to how we as, you know, on the other side of the situation would look at that, like, you're not going about this the right way. That doesn't make any sense. And yet to her, it's the only way. It's the only way that makes sense. And so it's just a fascinating contrast between the goal versus the behavior. It I'm, a, I'm sorry, I'm a psych psych geek. <laughs> this is this, this is, is her my, episode, man. She's gold. I'm just I'm just the eye candy today. I'm just here. You wrote the book. This is your fault, Morrison. <laughs> this is it. all you. <laughs> you brought this on yourself <laughs> right 
Now this is I'm what you aggressive. Get. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christina, because this is yes. where Christina is going to jump in here hardcore too. So we've talked about the mental health aspects of this, but can we discuss the Greek mythology, the allusions to 1920s Hollywood decadence, the Greek mythology often features an association with blindness and prophecy, Mr. Sunglasses Man. In Greek mythology, visual sight is exchanged for something far more powerful, kind of like celebrity, influence, financial power, (laughs) self-actualization. And you can see the soul of other people Mm -hmm. in their eyes. Mr. I never not wear sunglasses right <laughs> what are you hiding chandler morton no. <laughs> <laughs> just read his books just read his books but you know what facial expression and eye contact make up 55 percent of what we actually process during our verbal communications with one another did you know that i didn't 55 percent is your facial expression and 38 percent is your tone your words mean shit <laughs> <laughs> Except your words. (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's you know a good um, like the so the fact that like everybody in the book for the most part is wearing sunglasses and yes, and everybody kind of talks in like this kind of flat affect like Mm -hmm. and and they're they're all there's there's not a lot of expression from anybody. Um, um, uh, and certainly, you know, like the, I'm glad you picked up on the Greek mythology. Uh, oh yeah. We need reference. to talk more about that. But, but I mean, more so it's like the idea there is, was to present this, this feeling of, uh, alienation where, um, She's not, she's always wearing sunglasses. So she's, she's not really showing herself and she's kind of hiding. Um, but so is everybody else. And so she's just never really connecting with anybody. Like even, like, even when she's having sex with, with, with people, but like they're not taking their sunglasses off. Hiding their true selves behind designer labels. Right. And, um, and because every, like like everybody is just so overly nonchalant and uh, toneless, I think like there's just I really the the biggest thing that I was going for in it was just this was presenting the idea that she is just so incredibly alone and um like. And she's she's moving about the city like she's constantly like, like there's nobody around ever mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. uh not realistic <laughs> to uh to LA. Um but at, like what I was going for there was this kind of expressionistic like um manifestation of her alienation where like she's there's it's not that she imagines that there's nobody around. It's like it's like it's truly like there's just nobody around. <laughs> like because she's just so incredibly alone. Um, 
Um, so, so ev like everything in the book is kind of built around that and to maximize that degree of um, solitude that I was trying to present. I remember emailing you right off the bat being like, oh, so you're going to hit us with some John Milton, some Paradise Lost <laughs> right out the gate. Here we go. Hell is other people. Chandler. And it, she <laughs> she exists in hell that's full of other people and yet she can't even break out of the hell that is her own psyche. <laughs> hell is cold too. She's always freezing. It is. Well, and that's fascinating because that's actually part of the real biophysical experience that happens. Because when the body starts to become malnourished, your circulation decreases. Mm -hmm. And biophysically, you start to have those cardiac issues and your circulation is terrible and you're cold all the time. Uh, so it's, there's a lot of like allegory and <laughs> here. I don't know if you were thinking about it. No, absolutely. Because I mean, certainly, yeah. Or it's, it's just like kismet. You were like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I am so smart, I'm so <laughs> fucking smart." <laughs> just own it. Just take it and be like, "Oh yeah." I mean, you, you, the way you make it sound like you think I'm like sitting there, like jerking off to my own writing. <laughs> oh, quite how it is, but yeah, I mean, uh, certainly intentional. No, like she's, no. you know, the, there is definitely the biophysical element of anorexia where she is uh she's extremely malnourished so of course she's cold um but the idea of, of hell being cold you know it was um just worked out nicely oh my gosh heck yeah and then there was so much other stuff hit him with the tabs christina oh god i well i can't tab because it's not I don't have the physical book yet. Yeah, but you took like hella notes, my dude. So instead of like tabbing it, I literally sent him his manuscript back <laughs> with all of my notes written in it. <laughs> That's what I did. I was like, I could <laughs> type all of this out, but I'm just going to send it back to you when it's color coordinated and and everything had different colors. Because <laughs> um, I'm always very interested in people's interpretations and responses. So even when like it's not like, like you're calling out things that I wasn't particularly thinking about as I was writing it, um, it's it's very interesting to me the things that that people pick up on in their own experiences. That they, Kind of describe so one that I know that I was wrong on because I like I was like I'm a fucking genius but I was wrong um was I felt that um it was like um like a Christmas carol or a Christmas story um with the past the present and the future because the past was her as the slug her in the present and then the future her as a corpse I thought that I was wrong but I gave it a value. So. I mean, I wouldn't even. I don't believe that there is a wrong interpretation of a book. Like I wasn't thinking about that as I was writing it. I hate Dickens. Oh. <laughs> uh, so don't worry. So does my husband. He hates him. He's like, if I wanted to read fifteen pages about a goddamn doorknob, 
Yeah, he's not. Just, he's so <laughs> verbose. And uh, you know, I recognize his importance, and but I just cannot, <laughs> cannot do it. Uh, no, the 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 Christmas thing because it does like a large part of it takes place around Christmas time. Um, that was really just, um, I mean, in twofold. Like a Christmas is generally associated with uh, joy and light and uh, good cheer and all of that fun stuff and. Um, of which there is none uh, mm. in the book. And um, so I was interested in that kind of uh, like juxtaposition and dichotomy. And two, I would just, I think Christmas in LA is just a neat kind of very weird thing um, in and of itself because there's, you associate Christmas with you know, snow and, and all of that. And like, oh, yeah. uh, and so it's kind of, I've, I've personally I've always found like having grown up in um, very cold climates, like uh, the uh, living here in LA and seeing how like, like all the Christmas decorations and it's just, it's kind of, it feels like almost like absurd's not the right word, but it's close because it just doesn't jive with the traditional like imagery of Christmas because you've got all of all of the Christmas imagery except for like the snow and it's not yeah. cold. It's eighty degrees and palm <laughs> trees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, that. I was really kind of, um, I, I, I just, just the mood of that was, was interesting. So like the, um, and I've like, truth be told, I've not read a Christmas. Like, I mean, everybody knows the story. So I don't know, maybe like it could have subconsciously done a thing, but. Consciously you're a fan. Honestly, <laughs> the Muppets did it the best. So mm-hmm. if you're going to go there. Yeah. Just watch the Muppets. I would definitely. It's the I best would definitely. interpretation out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> would definitely go with that. With that. Yeah. But I, but I did. So like I tabbed it, but I like iPad tabbed it, I guess you could say. But I did count something. I counted 29 references to sunglasses. And those are 29 different designers, I guess poor kid here don't know any of that stuff but like I said and then um the and I'm probably gonna mispronounce it because again poor kid Cartier is it Cartier the lighter that's like a thousand fucking dollars for a lighter no No, thanks oh my god like I look because I even in the notes that I sent back I was like is this even a thing like is this real life and you were like, yeah. And so I looked it up and it's like a thousand dollars. Do you know what, how many books I could buy for a thousand dollars? I think it's crazy. Like retails for around, 11, I think it's 1100. Um, that lighter is my mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> like it's both of my car payments, my internet bill. Like, that 
$1,100 is literally my bills for the month. No <laughs> way. But I think that that, I think that that speaks to what, yes. And not just Hollywood, like even military, like bringing the military into it. I see a lot of wives trying to keep up with the Joneses. And so because of that, like, the wife or the husband has to go out and have another job because they can't afford their lifestyle. And it's, it's thing to me, it's things like that. Like there she's, she's not thinking long-term she's thinking now that obsession, that, that need for instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's because, you know, someone like me, I look at that and I'm like, I would rather get kicked in the vagina with a golf cleat I would than rather spend that coal. kind of money on something <laughs> like that. But then there's other people who are like, but that's just something that I would commonly buy, you know? And I think that that's kind of, to me, that's what I kind of took from it is the more that she bought, the more she lost me, but yet I get it because of that instant gratification that trying to keep up with the Joneses and things like that. So to me, that was the biggest thing I got out of it was like that classism, that the money, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, she's trying to fill a void yeah. and the, and it's not working. Yeah. The, like the, there's that chapter where she, she get like she, she orders a bunch of mm-hmm. like shit ton of stuff early on in the book, and then it then it comes, and she unpackages it all and is like trying it all on, and she has like a few minutes mm-hmm. of elation, mm-hmm. and then and then she's just depleted, like cause she and and, and it's, it's gone, yeah, like, yeah, and. Uh, and she she puts it all away, and she's knowing that like she's probably not even going to wear most of that stuff. And so she's she's trying to feel better. Like that's really like throughout the book, she's just trying to feel better. Like uh, and it's and, but her coping mechanisms are becoming increasingly mm-hmm. um, they're just not working anymore. And so. Well, yes, I, I think, and, 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 you know, certainly I think most people will, will re- and, and, and can't relate to spending tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> right. on clothes and shoes and sunglasses. Um, but I think people can relate to you know, like trying, um, trying to make yourself feel better, trying to fill this void through, through ways that, uh, uh Aren't, that don't work. And yeah, yeah, that's why oh, the term retail therapy exists. Oh, it doesn't matter what day, social class you live in. Yeah, yeah, no. Amazon, here I come. Right? Get one of those fucking pink lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the pink light works. Like, that, <laughs> like that's a gift. Like, like that just keeps on giving because like right. it's hard not to feel uh, better. <laughs> You're sitting in pink light. Right. You know, 
<laughs> you made a joke earlier about, oh, you make it sound like I'm jacking off to my own writing. I believe that if you want to sit around and jack off to your own writing, you have every right to do so, sir. Oh. <laughs> I think that's I for any you, author. Like I, I, I put you like, uh, you and Eric LaRocca, Paula Ash. I don't know if you've had a chance to read anything from Paula Ash. She's actually a literary professor, and um, she's coming up behind you and LaRocca with this same sense of just literary, uh, just, just, just. It's hard for me to explain, but. A lot of extreme horror is very surreal, absurd. It's very focused on the entertainment and the shock value where you guys are in this corner of the genre where you're actually making us think and you're Mm. adding an extra level in there for people who do have this love of literature, historical literature, historical fiction, um, and it allows us to enjoy that within the genre that we adore so much. And I just really, the fact that you guys can go to this place within a genre that so often gets overlooked as either just gross or fluff, give the same vibe while adding that extra depth. Does that make sense? It does. I I love and, it, you know, and I appreciate I, it. Thank you. That's very kind. And, and me. you're very young to be doing this, so congratulations on the brain. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we love you, Chandler. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I like. Um, I think of like I never, I never, I personally identified as an extreme horror author. I got like kind of put there oh yeah um and and i've i've thought about it and like leading up to this interview i was thinking about it because you guys are in this more podcast and uh but um yeah i i I never i never saw myself as an extreme horror author and i never i never really saw myself as a horror but isn't that interesting but (laughs) uh but there i I just think it's it's there are elements of my work that um, that fans of that genre just really connect with, and and I was thinking about that and like you know what is that because I mean hashtag thigh gap is like it's, it's I think certainly kind of a stretch to put it in the extreme horror uh, label because there's no violence. Uh, there's no like I mean I mean when you think extreme horror you think you mm-hmm. think violence and you think weird sex stuff it, like that's I mean at least that's what I think when yeah. I think extreme horror is like gore and usually somebody's getting raped yes and uh, like it's definitely that's, not there's, splatter yeah, those are kind of the the things that you you see in, in extreme horror but like really like you look deeper like what is it about like is is that really what makes it extreme horror or is it are, are, are fans of that genre going to it because they they want to feel a certain thing yes. and yes. and violence and weird sex stuff tends to i think traditionally you know scratch that itch but i also think there are different ways to do it 
And, mm -hmm. and I think that reading hashtag thigh gap is, is a, I would imagine a similar experience to reading something that's extremely violent. Because while there's no physical violence, I think, I think it's a very emotionally mm -hmm. uh, violent. Um, like, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, based on her, the character's uh, behavior toward herself and also just like like everybody's so mean to each other in it mm -hmm. like um and in really kind of like nasty visceral ways uh, yes while they're not nobody's getting hacked up or anything like it's just the the cruelty is i think um so pervasive and intense and so so that i think is you know like well um it it might not check the traditional boxes of extreme or I, I i think fan extreme horror fans would would get the same i think it scratches that same itch that that you get from reading something yeah. really boring. absolutely and i look at extreme horror as an umbrella term Mm -hmm. an umbrella genre this is not splatterpunk hashtag thigh gap is not bizarro mm -hmm. on that end of the con extreme horror continuum is where i'm going to find the Beauregards, the volpies the uh the the straight up acute like splatter punk gore ultra violence i put you more in like the transgressive speculative uh, it, it, ideological it, it's it's almost a level of ideological horror because we're looking at it's really man's inhumanity to man and man's inhumanity to one's self and mm -hmm. that's where the real horror comes in that's why people get uncomfortable if this book makes you uncomfortable and makes you feel some type of way it did its job. That's mm -hmm. why it's horror. Because the world is a horrible place. <laughs> and it doesn't have the psychological safety net of the absurdity and the mm -hmm. surrealism that a splatterpunk has. That's not real. That doesn't yeah. happen to that level of extre extremity. Like, no, this is real. And it might have a lot of literary influence in there that just adds the overall beauty of it, but that almost makes it more horrible and more horrifying because there is a level of beauty and elegance to it while it is just absolutely emotionally devastating. That is horror. I will step down from my soapbox now. It's all right. Stay up there. Stay up there. A lot of we're, in, we're entertained. <laughs> Have at it. Preach. Right? And the congregation. Uh, hey, did you get around to reading the shocking Miss Pilgrim? You know, I ordered it. It never came. Like, <gasps> Shut there was, up! There was one copy left and I ordered it and it just never showed up. Oh my God. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Frederica Sager Mass, she wrote this book at age 99. It was like this scathing recollection of the sexual exploitation of women and like the bacchanalia of 1920s Hollywood. And it really highlights 
like hashtag thigh gap while I was reading it I was thinking about the shocking Miss Pilgrim a lot because it really shows how like from 1922 to 2022 that culture has not changed very much over an entire century like you really nailed in on the same vibe of what was going that very like Gatsby-esque mixed with the Greek mythology and I was like Chandler have you read this book and you tried I found my used books <laughs> but this woman at 100 years old was like this shit is fucked up <laughs> well yeah I meant like it, I mean for for all of Hollywood's uh posturing and 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 not even ho- just Hollywood just the culture in general like th- things aren't that different like from um like from decade to decade like I think a lot of the same uh attitudes are carried over and and while it, Hollywood in particular will build itself up as this very inclusive and uh, moralistic uh, entity. It's not like it's, it's really, it's, it is the same uh, kind of just monstrous machine that it was when it first came about. Like it's all driven by, uh, by money. um, And, and it's, um, and and the more layers you peel back, like the the inclusivity is is uh, kind of a sham, and like it's um, all of it. Like and and that's and that's really, like I said, it's not just specific to Hollywood. It's like um, there the surface changes, like the way that people um, present themselves changes, but like deep down, those attitudes aren't really changing. it's all about what does this person have to offer me and how Mm -hmm. can I use them as a tool to get my goals and needs met that's brutal (laughs) (laughs) brutal. Christina do you you have another question don't you before we go to the ad break I do but I want I don't know what that was but I want to I want to point out two quotes and hashtag thigh gap. One of them is you never realize how fragile you are until you're already in pieces. Yeah. Thanks for that too. Yeah. And then this one, this one, this one got me. Her body was the knife, her age, the salt. I'm old. And that, I was like, (laughs) (gasps) you know, yeah, that those two, that's two of my favorites out there. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, like sometimes, like that, the, the, the first one, um, like sometimes you just know when you write it, like, mm-hmm. like that's, again, not to sound off, sound like I'm, but like, but, but sometimes you just know, like, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, like, I told damn, you. Damn, I'm good at this. Congratulations <laughs> on the brain. Right, you put words together well. <laughs> so that that one in particular, and I've used it a lot, with a lot of the promotion. I think yeah. like in the reviews, like people kind of latch on to it, and um, uh, and I think it's just the um, 
again, it comes back to the universality of mm -hmm. it. Well, not everybody can relate to the very specific things that Helen herself is going through. Like, um, I think we can all relate to, like, you never really know. Like, just <laughs> um, the uh, what is going to affect you and how susceptible you really are to it until it already has. And until you're, you're kind of, like, just weighed out and, like, shit. Like, uh, yeah. You're like a whale, but I did not see that red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and like the signs can be there. Like the, but... the signs are always there. We just ignore them. Uh, it can be something as, as simple as a smell that suddenly like hits your nose and you're like, oh, great. Now I'm having a trauma response. That's fantastic. So you're right. A crisis and trauma are completely subjective. You never know what's going to trigger you and everybody's different and unique. So that concept from that quote is a universal experience that everyone can identify with. I can't wait to see all of the tattoo designs that are going to come along with <laughs> Because you um, know it's coming. You know it's coming, friend. <laughs> Bo Burnham's to... inside. Like, right. I, I have plans for Bo Burnham. That quote from that special because it resonated with me so deeply. People are going to do the same thing with pieces from this book mm -hmm. because it takes you into that emotional space where you're like, holy shit, get out of my head, Chandler Morrison. Right. How very dare you make me feel feelings, right? I like Kick being you so hard, right? <laughs> I I pride myself on being an emotionalist cunt canoe, and like quotes like that. That's my phrase, by the way. I'm making it happen this year. I like. Um, I like. Thank you. I, I highly recommend like... you don't listen to the beginning of this episode, Chandler Morrison, because the words creamy twat happen way more than you uh, ever wanted I hate to that hear. Word. <laughs> so much. I hate it. It sounds the T word, I'm not even gonna say it because I freaking hate it that much. It sounds like what it would sound like if you threw one against a window and it just comes down the window. That's what yes. it sounds like. That's a horror. I, uh, um, and he had the word creamy to it. I mean, right? See? Okay, good. He's, we're on the same wavelength. See, Christina, that's why you and I are such a good team. You ruin lives, we each, we each brought We each brought half of that to the table, and we were like, oh, yeah, this is the worst thing we could think of. <laughs> I hate that word so much. Like, I won't even say it. I don't like it. I hate it. Stupid. <laughs> I just totally derailed us. I'm so you sorry. Did. You did. You know? <laughs> what was your question? What's your question? We've been talking oh. at him for a long time. This we poor have. guy. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> why did I do this to myself God again? Damn it. I forgot how I made a huge mistake. Right? No, really, you guys are great. I'm, I'm doing like I'm planning to do very few podcasts because um, I don't like, but. You two were the one that I, I really wanted to do because podcasts are so hit or miss and they're usually miss. And, uh, but, um, but I really appreciate uh, the depth and uh, that you guys go into and the thoughtfulness and uh, the 
just how well prepared you all are. I was like, like the last one, I was, um, you were so much more prepared than I was. <laughs> well, um, I, and I, more I, emailed, I emailed you that Ryan Harding actually reached out to me because of your episode. So that was so great. That was fucking surreal. Like we chat daily and I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, Thanks Chandler Morrison. It really is. (laughs) Thanks for my new bestie. (laughs) It's crazy. It's me and bring people together. You do. Bring people together. Making Since that twenty relationship magic happen. <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like anyone who can handle me for more than like a couple conversations just deserves awards because I'm annoying. Like this poor, like taking Ryan, for example, I would read and in real time, I would type responses to all of his stuff. And I've read all of his stuff now. So like one of his books, I was telling Marion, um, 171 tabs in one book yeah, yeah he's yeah. ryan's great and like uh like one of those those authors who who does kind of i feel like elevate um uh, the genre above what it's kind of known. absolutely so yeah. here's my question oh yeah yeah you know there's questions <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing here half the time. (laughs) So I just show up Xanaxed and coffee in hand. Um, So I want to chat about the story in the Splatterpunk zine. Because that is, that is a fascinating one, Chandler. (laughs) Um, Because I was like, oh, it's Chandler. I'm going to get this. And then I read it and I was like, where did that come from, Chandler? <laughs> what is uh, it called again, Christina? It is, share with us. It is called <laughs> She Dotted Her Eyes with Little Hearts. Uh, it's, it's pretty much about a dad fucking his daughter. <gasps> Chandler uh, Morrison! I mean, let's let's apply some context. <laughs> I just like the, you know, one line <laughs> she is a zombie. Mm-hmm. Like, so she's a zombie, and he he's always fantasized about having sex with her, but he waits till after she becomes a zombie. The opening line. The opening line is, "I always, I've always wanted to fuck my daughter." That's that is it. That is the opening line. <laughs> You it remember really when I put you in the highbrow extreme horror corner? <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> well, it's funny because I love how so good natured <laughs> he is. He's like fucking too. Um, it was going so well until this. Um, my favorite part of a lot of your stuff is how meta you break the fourth wall constantly. I love that about books so this story um a few years ago i read a book called dead inside by a young author from hollywood who clearly thought he was some sort of mystical hemingway and marquita sod oh shit and i thought i stopped immediately and i was like holy shit 
have anyone in Mercade to sell? I was like, yes. Isn't that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I and and while I don't, I actually I can't stand the Marquis. He's got some good quotes, and, and... <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on, while I take that knife out of my heart. Hold um, on, Christina. Like, that's sorry, actually the I... first line of the book. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up. <laughs> oh my god! No, I mean, I, hey, narked, like... I narked myself out about me sending you <laughs> no, that message I, look, about being like a genius. I narked. He's myself out. <laughs> he, like he has. Some 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 good lines. Like I mean, I, I took one of his lines for the, the the title of "Along the Path of Torment." Um, yes, she and, did. And I I appreciate <laughs> the like what it takes to to be an author. And to, like the fact that he was jailed for his writing, I think is kind of neat. But I mean, I don't like he's not. He was not a particularly. Um, uh, I I think good stylist like his 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 writing i think the prose leaves a lot to be desired and i think he um was kind of uh um m- more overly concerned with getting a reaction than, than mm-hmm. any. I think that was, oh absolutely and he was very you know effective at that but so you know in that vein like i was I didn't even, it was, a, I think, a couple of years ago, I was asked to write a story for that zine, and um, and my reputation as a shock jock was kind of at its peak, and, um, and I, I, what I was trying to do with that story was, like, okay, guys, like, you want to see me doing the shock jock thing? This is me doing the shock jock like, like literally it's it's meta it's so meta the whole way and that's through. really what it like the whole the whole thing is supposed to be like the the existence of that story itself is is kind of like a meta um like like making fun of my own reputation and um uh and and, and there's there's the lines in it where he keeps saying that um like if you're expecting some mm-hmm. I forget exactly what it is, but like if you're expecting some kind of, you know, like great truth to be revealed here or some kind of message, you're gonna be disappointed. And yeah. and then at the end, I think I think that's how it closes is he says like uh like sometimes life's just fucked up. Like some, sometimes people are just fucked up. Um sometimes, sometimes there's no great meaning. Yeah, sometimes it's just about fucking the zombie daughter. And that's you know so uh, at the at the very end it's one fucks his undead daughter again see i told you sometimes there's no payoff sometimes things are just fucked up sometimes people are just fucked up and sometimes those things and people are just like you you see where i'm going with this i don't think i need to describe it any further and that's how it ends yeah so that's i (laughs) I mean and that's what i was going to like I I don't do that kind of thing with really. I, I mean, I, I haven't done that like the kind of thing with I think any of my previous books, any of my previous stories. It was just like this, uh, uh, like you like you want to see shock jock here's mm-hmm. shock, and um, and, and it's I think 
I mean, it's 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 similar to Dead Inside that it's like it's just so absurd. Like I it don't. Is. It's hilarious. Like uh, I still like we talked about in the last. I don't know. I, I to this day I don't know why people take Dead Inside as seriously as they do. I don't know how you can read that book and not laugh at just how catch the satire ridiculous it is. Yeah, uh, and and that's that's the. Um, that's that story. Like I'm, um, like while I'm kind of doing the shock truck thing, I'm I'm also kind of making fun of it. Like it's just so over the top. Like I don't, it, and I mean from the just from the very first line, it's like <laughs> like I was kind of just saying that like it's this is what kind of story this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm warning you now. <laughs> Isn't it funny the way everyone's brains interpret things differently? I just find that so fascinating. <laughs> that one went, person can look at it and see the layers and go in there and then the other person is so concrete and black and white they're like well all i see is this yeah thing and it's it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, and I <laughs> god it, bless I don't, you I don't know put what yourselves I, out into this space <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting i don't i don't know what i expected from like the um I mean the the readership that that story had, as far as I, like at least from what I heard and like what I saw on social media, like I don't I don't know that anybody really got it. Uh, like it was kind of like oh my gosh, like Chandler's outdone himself. This is so so disgusting. I love it. I'm like hey, I'm you know I'm glad they enjoy it. <laughs> Dude, at like, least one person says the name of that book every day on TikTok. Still. Mm-hmm. at least one person is mentioning that book every day it's, i guarantee it uh, it's oh, true. Yeah. um but i mean i mean about the story the the she dotted mm-hmm. her eyes with little hearts like when oh that, all when right that, yeah when that story came, like i don't i don't know that anybody got that people there's it's not like dead inside i think um i mean there's there's all kinds of different reactions to that some some people kind of see it for how i imagine that some people don't not that one is right or wrong like i said you know i don't know that there's a wrong interpretation but um but she dotted her eyes with little hearts like i was really kind of in the same vein as dead inside like satirizing the genre itself um but i don't i don't know that that really came through i don't know that like and i could you know be my own like maybe i botched it i don't know <laughs> i don't do that maybe i wasn't clear enough um, but it was, it was certainly intended to just be um, kind of like this, this goofy. I'll send yours, Marion. I completely forgot until like today. <laughs> Thank you. Well, speaking of, speaking of goofy, we're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to get into the new season to Rapid fire four so enough of the smart questions prepare yourself Chandler because here comes the dumb (laughs) all right hold on hey kids Looking for a way to affordably access the best and wildest independent extreme horror currently in existence? Godless Horrors is the place to be. 
Go to www.godless.com to gain access to thousands of extreme horror and splatterpunk books from the genre's best and brightest independent authors. Godless Horrors offers every title in their catalog in a variety of formats to ensure compatibility with your favorite digital reading device. Strapped for cash? No worries. Godless has a fantastic collection of free titles ready for instant download, with other titles in their collection rarely exceeding $3 to $4. Again, go to www.godless.com or download the app and tell them what the fuck you're looking for. Come join the Godless tribe today. Forever delightfully deviant. Forever Godless. Alright, we're back! Okay, alright. Here we go. It's the new rapid fire for um, God help you. This is so stupid. <laughs> well, you know, it, this right. isn't, this isn't high. This is not, this is not a highbrow podcast. I feel like, you know, I disagree with that. I think you got me. You ask some very highbrow questions, which I, I really appreciate. Thank you. We are well, classy. Oh, I would not. I would not use that word with me. So classy. Squish right? mountain. I got Squidward. Anyway, <laughs> first question. If someone were to write a memoir about you, what would it, the title be? Designer Sadness. <gasps> Designer Sadness. Did you just, Very quick. Did you just make that up right now or have you been sitting yeah. on that? I wish I'd, I'd made that up. There's a song. Uh called designer sadness uh that i like a lot that kind of speaks to my soul (laughs) uh i I really appreciate that you just own that emo side of yourself chandler i yeah that like i mean at at heart i am um like deep down i'm uh monostan sad girl uh Sylvia Plath, that whole thing, like it's that's what I really am. One of us, right? One <laughs> of us. <laughs> so, Taylor Morrison. Oh God, this <laughs> just ridiculous. I'm going to take you on a journey here. So, <laughs> if I was going to sit you down and I put an explosive collar around your neck, like battle royale style, and I told you you had. 30 minutes to write a book for me and Christina's kids or the collar would explode and your head would blow up. What would that children's book be called? And what would it be about? Uh, <laughs> First off, nobody likes kids. So I have yeah, too I'm many. I just keep making them. Don't. Um, <laughs> oh man, title. Title is because I get uh it would probably be about uh shopping <gasps> okay yeah that makes sense and I, um and and it would be you know probably about me going shopping <laughs> <laughs> um, ah, is it called chandler goes shopping for Chan- sunglasses Chan- 
Chandler, Chandler buys sunglasses. <laughs> I would be like Chandler's uh, Rodeo Drive Adventure. Chandler's big day out. There we go. Yeah, sure. Just when Chandler it. like tells us we're highbrow, we. <laughs> Chandler's Rodeo Drive Adventure. I love it. That's... <laughs> now we're going to come back a little bit. This here. one I think is going to be hard for you. Maybe I'm overstepping, but. Which of your characters is your least favorite and why? That is hard because I really kind of. Uh love all of them in a really weird incestuous way. Which is so funny because none of them are really likable, are they? They're really <laughs> I don't know that I've... Um, Thinking of you, Ty. Yep. <laughs> oh, God, that book. Ah! Because uh, so... <clears throat> Um, so true story, Donald Ray Pollock um, wrote, I don't know if you guys have read his work, but he, he wrote like The Devil All the Time. Uh-huh. Um, after he read Dead Inside, uh, and he he blurbed it, and, and like we were, we were having coffee one day, and I asked, him, well, it's, it's like, so, so if you had to give me any advice, what would it be? And, um, and he said, like, well, uh, your prose is spot on. Like, you're you're good there. Like, you don't need my advice with that, which was very humbling. But he said, "But for God's sake, man! Like, put a likable character in there. They like people want somebody that um they uh how did he put it? He said something like like that they can like sit down and break bread with." Uh, and um, and so when I wrote Hate to Feel, I put Grace Peachtree, and and she's just and she's based on um, uh, actually the um, the woman who uh, at least loosely based on the on, on the woman who edited my first few books, and I adore her, um, but I made that character like just so kind of kind and um, lovely and just not at all flawed. <laughs> I, I was trying to just, just make her, like, like I was trying to do what Don told me to do. And by put, putting this likable character in there and I, um, and it just, it, like, like looking back, like, uh, I know, I know why Don told me to do that, and I and and, but obviously, ever since then, I have eschewed that advice, and <laughs> not really done that, because nobody like is like, and and I would I would even kind of uh, challenge to a degree the idea that none of them are at all likable. I think they are likable in non-traditional ways. 
I just really appreciate that you are <laughs> the character you most dislike is the one you identify as the only likable character <laughs> you've ever included well, in a it's, book. Well, <laughs> it's just, and the reason for that is because, like, it's not really real, you know, <laughs> like, because uh, people aren't, um, like, like when, if you examine anybody closely enough, they're uh certain and certainly like their um inner machinations and like their most closely guarded thoughts like very uh, does anybody really pass that litmus test of being traditional like from a from the perspective of somebody who wants uh, like um like when consuming content like they want that you know kind of aspirational like it's not real I don't think that kind of person really exists. And like I said, the the woman whom Grace Peachtree is is based on, I adore her, and uh, and she is a very, you know, uh, sweet, wonderful woman. Um, but the character of Grace Peachtree is just so like uh, saintly in a way that nobody is, and. I, um, and she's not even really a major character. Like she's not in it a lot. And I did that on purpose because, like, I can't, I not write about <laughs> person three. Like, for you know, just can't write people like that. <laughs> maybe that's my own. Maybe that's my own biases and uh, neuroses. I don't know, but I. That was something that I was very consciously doing based on, based on Don's advice. And, um, which like I said, I, you know, still tons of respect for Don, but that just is not, it's just not how I write. And I, and I don't think, and, and I think it's, a, it's gotten to a point. I, I, I think people, um, I don't think they go to my work wanting likable characters. Like if you're if you're still picking up my books uh, at this point, like you kind of know, like nobody's going to be traditionally like aspirational. Like they're kind of all going to be varying degrees of um, not so great. And right. That's par for the course. At this right. I think that's what makes them interesting. Like I mean. Mm-hmm. And, really like when when i uh read a book or i watch a movie or or a tv show anything like that's what i want like i don't like um uh the 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 characters who are you know saintly like that or, or um and that's you know i'm gonna just some people off here, but like that's my biggest problem with Stephen King is, um, which I, you know, huge respect for Stephen King. He was a huge part of my reading growing up, but um, but his characters tend to be very black and white, where mm-hmm. you've got the the good guy who is oftentimes like you're kind of like working class, just. Uh, um, you know, regular Joe, who is uh, very morally upright, 
and then you've got the bad guy who is like this kind of sneering villain um and um and that's not i I just don't respond to that like um like succession is one of my favorite tv shows um and nobody in that is uh is aspirational like you like what i one of the things i like most about that show is there's there's one character uh greg he's like this young guy and um he is the one kind of like moral center at the beginning of the show uh and increasingly throughout the series he becomes more and more corrupted and um to the point that like and because he was that one that one kind of like beacon of of like hope that there's you know somebody's gonna avoid being this like complete and utter douchebag and he just becomes worse and worse and worse and um and that's like i i don't know i like that i think it makes it interesting and so because that's the type of those are the types of characters i like to uh um see in media that's uh those are the kinds of characters i like to write good answer I was, I'm sorry, a very long answer. That's <laughs> right. a good answer. Right. We'll, we'll wait for the good ones. Now answer this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <We're> back. <laughs> if you suddenly came across an angry Michael Myers in the middle of the wilderness, what would you default to? Fight, flight, or freeze? <laughs> I would definitely freeze. Like, <gasps> No sense of self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. I can't I fight. I can't fight at all. Um, I uh, I cannot take a punch to save my life. I go down after yeah. one. One and that's it. I'm, I, I am on the floor. Um, really just any sort of strike. Like I've, I've been slapped before and I fall down. I don't like, I'm just, <laughs> my sense of gravity is not great. So um so yeah so like so so fighting's not my thing um and running also not my thing yeah i don't want to um, running. <laughs> guilty guilty cannot cannot uh cannot do it i um i have you know various uh traumatic experiences around running i apparently <laughs> look really silly when i run oh and bless so, <laughs> <laughs> so i just don't do it like um you know i uh the last time the last time i ran and like and this has happened like you know growing up like as a kid like i, I know people would be like what are you doing <laughs> are you flailing your arm <laughs> Is he having a seizure? Yeah. So, <laughs> but the last time I ran, like, because it had been years, right? Like, I'd not run years. Um, uh, my, I, I was, I, I went, I went to coffee with my girlfriend at the time, and um, and we parked the car, and uh, and I always like, like, I, I was gonna pay for the parking the meter was like um on the other side of the parking lot 
and and she she wanted to pay for parking for whatever reason. I was like, I'm not gonna let you pay for parking. So like she started to like move quickly toward the meter. So I ran. So like I get to meet her before and to, to pay for it. So I just didn't so and um and I like and she like stopped and like I you know I paid for parking and turned around and she's like you know yards away like just kind of looking at me. She's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> now I need to see it. Like, um, you can't set it up this way and then not so, write no, visual. <laughs> no, it's not like and that was that was that was several years ago. So like, uh, not, but I never not ran run, not, again. Not run since. I also, you know, I wear cowboy boots always, <laughs> and those are not oh. kind of like conducive to running. So that doesn't make it any easier. Like, um, I feel like it's an excuse. You're like, I can't run. I'm wearing cowboy right? That's smart. That's that's planning ahead. <laughs> well, it's you know, I don't know. It, it not that I'm not that I can run without them, um, but it certainly doesn't make it any any easier. Oh, excellent. So, so again, that's a long way of saying like Michael Myers in the woods, like, guess he's just gonna have to kill me because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm wearing cowboy boots, and I right? will die before I, you know, willingly embarrass myself. So uh, this is nice. valid. This is valid. Because like I could I could probably I could probably outrun him, but he he would be like like just so baffled, like he wouldn't even chase me. He'd be like, what the hell? And, and then he'd like, <laughs> go until. I don't know who are the other ones, Jason and uh, Freddie and all of them. Like, went to kill Chandler Morrison today, and you guys would not believe what that dude was like when he runs. You might want to choose flight because what you're saying is he would be so baffled and so confused that most likely he would just turn and walk away. Probably, but then I'd have to live with the fact of knowing that, like, they're talking shit about Michael you. They're going out and talking, talking shit about, shit about me. Yeah, I can't handle that. I cannot. I like... want to go on record as saying no one will ever have a better answer for this. <laughs> ever. <laughs> this is like, might as well find another question because that is, we're done. Dunzo. <laughs> I'm actually trying. <laughs> I just, like, I feel that answer on an emotional level because I'm the same. I've never been punched because I'm a fucking wuss bag. And look, I'm, I'm a wuss bag okay, too. But, like, but but people like to hit me, so like it's uh, it, it's not fun. Like, and but the nice thing about like is usually like they kind of stop after you fall over. <laughs> so right, it's like a bear. It's like, yeah. did I kill him? Uh, yeah. Did I so. did I kill Chandler Morrison? And I am not running. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm fat. I'm not going to run. It's just not going to happen. So yeah, kill me. Kill me. And then my kids are going to like Ouija board me back. So (laughs) that's, that's how my death would go. (laughs) I would be Ouija boarded back in. Like, (laughs) God damn it. All I want to do is go to hell. Leave me the fuck alone. (laughs) I just want to get some rest. Great. I want to be in the fires of hell. Leave me alone for a little while. Have your father get you something to eat. Leave me be. Chandler, if people want to contact you, where's the best place for 
for them to find you. I'm still crying. I'm sorry. I know. Uh, this is great. Tw- Twitter and Instagram. I'm uh, very active on Twitter and on Instagram. Twitter, my username is uh, Mecca Chandler. And then Instagram, it's Chandler.Morrison. Boom, boom. I don't do the Twitters, but Christina is there with him on the Twitters, and I follow him on the Instagrams, and sometimes he'll pop up in our stories, because Mothers of Mayhem actually has an Instagram now, which I had, like, not been doing, because for some reason my stupid brain didn't think about it. Oh, but we do have a Facebook group. He doesn't do Facebook, so... But <laughs> come join us on the Mothers of Mayhem official Facebook group. You can find links to the mom merch store, the ultimate fan community reading soundtrack playlists on YouTube and Spotify, which are constantly being updated. But also there is the exclusive Spotify Mothers of Mayhem playlist into the Chandler verse, which is a Chandler Morrison playlist featuring Christina and I went through these goddamn books, <laughs> including hashtag thigh gap, and pulled out every single musical reference, including street names. I caught all your Nick Cave references. I caught every single Nick Cave in the bad seeds, my friend. Oh. Every musical reference he has ever put in a book or a story. I slammed it onto this playlist. I was so fucking proud of myself. It was a great playlist. <laughs> I highly, highly recommend it. I'm glad you like it. Our community group provides exclusive information, content, giveaway opportunities, plus so much more. As always, you can send your questions, comments, pictures of dildos for Christina, and memes of my personal mortal enemy, Zach Baggins. Fuck that guy. Have you ever met Zach Baggins in real life? I don't know who Zach Baggins is. Okay, he's the host of Ghost Adventures, and he's awful. So if you ever do see him, don't you get punched in the face, but do him a favor and punch him in the face for me, and I will forever be grateful. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever punched somebody in the face? Like, that shit hurts. It's like... It's, I please. They make it look fit. really... <laughs> It's know. all about how you go in. You have to you have to go sh- straight in. <laughs> yeah. And you gotta wear big rings, Chandler. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, no. I, <laughs> He's like, I, I yeah, I've, I think I've I've punched like one person. Believe huh. it or not, I'm a professional. <laughs> professional de-escalator and crisis negotiator <laughs> but i love to punch <laughs> i like to threaten real story like threaten. registered nurse crisis negotiator <laughs> uh if you are listening rather than watching on the youtubes visit our anchor homepage. leave us a voice message and you might be surprised to hear your own voice bleeding at you through your favorite podcast streaming platform in an upcoming episode that content is an exclusive bonus only found on our uploads to pod streaming platforms it was a lot of fun last season finally Thank you once more to singer-songwriter Amigo the Devil for allowing us to use his song Hungover in Jonestown as our theme. We love you, Danny. Uh, Until next time, go raise some hell, children. Make your weird book mommies proud. Yeah!
Ah, Chandler Morrison, you're such a good sport. I can't believe you came <laughs> back here a second time knowing exactly what kind of right? bullshit you were in for. We love you, man. Life is a joke. And death is the punchline. Oh, la, la, la.